Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us, as always, at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and tst underscore underscore radio. If you'd like to listen to the show after the broadcast or if you missed a show, you can listen by searching the show name on any of the radio podcast players or going directly to our website. There is a link to the archive. You can listen, find links to those different players and plug in the RSS feed. It's all provided there at www.thesecretteachings.info. And if you'd like to get rid of the monetized advertisements, you don't want to hear those annoying advertisements throughout the show, you can subscribe to the archive on the same website. There's a link and a button to subscribe. When you subscribe, you'll get access to the non-advertised, non-monetized show. You'll get access to all of my digital books, which soon will include my newest book that I just finished writing in time for the uh, the 4th of July celebration. I will also uh, provide you on the website with a private RSS feed for your player, podcast radio player, and you'll get early access to the show. So www.thesecretteachings.info. If you subscribe or if you buy a book or both, you keep us on air Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 10 p.m., to Midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. I'm very happy to be here on Ground Zero Radio because we have absolutely nothing holding us back from accelerating forward into the great unknown. And speaking of accelerating forward, CERN fired up today for the first time in some time. And this was something that I went on to social media today, and it's absolutely everywhere. CERN's Large Hadron Collider resumes research after a hiatus. Wall Street Journal, CNN, Space.com, NBC News. You know that the CERN Collider, very big collider, we don't hear whether or not, and I find this to be something that is... um, an important part of the investigation, something that Clyde and I were talking about at Roswell over the weekend, is that we don't really hear about UFO sightings over the CERN facility. And I think that would be, that would be a very important field of research if we could find whether or not there have been UFO reports near the CERN facility. And I think that's important because if you look into the history of the Manhattan Project You look into the history of atomic energy in the United States, in the Soviet Union, and other parts of of the world. You obviously find, if you've listened to this show, you'll know this, but you'll obviously find from Los Alamos to atomic energy installations that you've probably never heard of, like the Idaho National Laboratory, UFO sightings are more than common. In fact, we did a whole show on this last week. The Idaho National Lab is about two hours and 45 minutes, roughly two and a half to three hours. If you drive like me, it's like three and a half hours. But if you if you drive the speed limit, it's like two hours and 45 minutes, roughly uh, southeast 
of Boise, Idaho, where Kenneth Arnold is from. And, uh, you know, when you go out there and you learn that there's so much history that you've, you've never heard, uh, they built these nuclear powered planes and nuclear powered cars and they uh, powered the first city with nuclear energy, with electricity generated from nuclear energy. Uh, the town of uh, Arco, Idaho, Atomic City was also, they weren't powered by nuclear energy, but they built the first nuclear reactor there, uh, a town that was called Midway until this reactor was built. This was all in the late 40s, early 50s. 1955, the first town was lit up with nuclear uh, uh, electricity. And there is the highest per capita rating of UFO sightings in the country in Idaho. And that is also where a large amount of nuclear material was taken after the Manhattan Project. And there are so many UFO sightings there. Again, it's the highest per capita rate of UFO sightings in the entire country. You can also find numerous reports of Los Alamos, the central laboratory that most people know. If they don't know Hanford, they don't know Oak Ridge, they know Los Alamos, they know Robert Oppenheimer. And there at Los Alamos, there were dozens, and and we can imagine far more than just a, a handful of UFO sightings during the Manhattan Project. So I wonder, are there UFO sightings around CERN? Are there UFO sightings around um you know these these colliders and so i did a little bit of research into that subject first and foremost before we go any further tonight and we've we've not seen necessarily unidentified flying objects but we've seen other things if you go back to 2016 there was a report i personally cannot verify it i don't know if it was true but there was a report that there was a swirling gateway something kind of like the the norway spiral remember the norway spiral something like the norway spiral in 2009 that opened up over a large hadron collider and um if you if you look at the video of it it's very creepy i don't know if it's if it's real but the the whole idea is that the Hadron Collider, the, 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 the facility we call CERN, and they're building more of these, and some of them are going to be larger when they're completed. They're building an ion accelerator at Oak Ridge National Lab, same laboratory building um, where they've already built. Their, they've constructed and they've experimented with this uh, laser-like device, which is supposed to penetrate an impenetrable wall, and it's supposed to flip these particles into the mirrorverse which is what they're calling it. They're calling it the mirror verse. And as, as we, we learned from, you know, the popular culture around Stranger Things, if you watch Stranger Things, uh, one of the seasons starts out with a, with a beam of energy striking a wall and opening up a rift to the upside down. This is precisely what Oak Ridge National Laboratory was experimenting on, at least in theme. They were experimenting to see if they could crack open uh, a, a rift or a portal into the, the upside down world. And again, this is in TV, but it's it's also happening in, in real life. If you want to find that article, just type in Oak Ridge National Lab, impenetrable wall, upside down mirrorverse, and it should bring it up. So this is what people have been concerned with for a while, no pun intended, concerned with. They've been concerned with the CERN facility and Perhaps those of you who know of the ion accelerator being built or constructed at Oak Ridge National Lab. 
at other similar facilities in which quantum physics, you know, trying to study and understand uh, the basis of, of nature, uh, the basis of, 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 of the world, uh, what makes all this stuff, uh, if we go back to the, the finding of the God particle uh, 10 years ago, t- t- 10 years ago, CERN discovered the, the God particle. And a lot of people believe this is just one, you know, one theory, uh, one theory that in 2012, the Large Hadron Collider near Geneva, Switzerland, discovered the, the Higgs boson particle. And it was in 2012, this created an alternate timeline or it destroyed our universe. And maybe we're moving backwards in time or we're moving differently in time and things feel weird and things feel like they're not just right. Now, I don't subscribe to that theory, literally, but I do believe that whether this 2016 story over, you know, this the Large Hadron Collider of a, of a dimensional gateway opening up, you can call it whatever you want. It looks like it looks like a, a crappier version of the Norway spiral, but it does indeed look like uh, a spiral, some kind of gateway or portal opening. Could be a weather event, too. I, I don't really know, but I'm, I'd be more concerned not so much with the world ending and we, we, we start out on this alternative timeline, but I'd be more concerned with some gateway or dimensional portal opening because, you know, the fears that we have, even in the, the, the modern age where everything, you know, with, for pop culture and, and, and conspiracy is a dime a dozen, it's on social media, it's on the internet, it's all over the place. Fears of these types of things happening are not new. And they are not just part of the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook communities. They're not just part of, of YouTube University. They're part of mainstream science going back to the detonation of atomic weapons in the 1940s. Now, there are theories today about those nuclear detonations, and those theories today are that those atomic bombs ripped open a, a rift, opened a portal, a gateway, and allowed evil or something to come into our world, perhaps intentionally. Some will go a little bit further and suggest that the Trinity bomb, for example, detonated out at White Sands. I, I just drove through White Sands again. It's a beautiful place if you've never been there. That the Trinity bomb was really an alchemical experiment in July of 1945. We're, we're coming up on the anniversary here in about two weeks. And that the Trinity bomb was really part of a larger experiment to summon an entity, a changeling, a moon child, call it whatever you want, a homunculus, the little person, to summon some form of intelligence from another world into our world. Now, those are modern theories, but at the time, the idea was that the atomic bomb and the hydrogen bomb in particular uh, were going to both perhaps signal that there are intelligence and intelligences on this planet to alert an alien species that we have powerful technology. And that could be a dangerous thing, as Stephen Hawking said, or it could be a beneficial thing, perhaps. And to perhaps open a gateway, open a portal to do the same, to intentionally or otherwise bring these these beings, these creatures, these things, these monsters, call them whatever you will, into our world. So we're only, what, two days away. Uh, Thursday is the, the 7th 
which is the, uh, you know, the, the anniversary that most people know of Roswell, although the event took place days before the, the crash, uh, various crashes. And on July 8th of 1947, so this was a day after Roswell, the day after Roswell, there's this famous memo published called Memorandum 6751. Memorandum 6751. Memorandum 6751 is a really interesting document if you can get your hands on it. I've reprinted it in my book, The Technological Elixir. But it's a declassified document dated July 8th, 1947. And it reported that disks were carrying crews. It states that the following um, is something that the, 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 the government knows about these, about these craft. They said part of the disks carry crews. Others are under remote control. Their mission is peaceful. The visitors contemplate settling on this plane, not planet, on this plane. These visitors are human-like, but much larger in size. They are not excarnate Earth people, but come from their own world. They do not come from any planet, as we use the word, but from an etheric planet, which interpenetrates with our own and is not perceptible to us. The bodies of the visitors in the craft also automatically materialize on entering the vibratory rate of our dense matter. The disks possess a type of radiant energy or a ray which will easily disintegrate any attacking ship. And there is a tremendous amount of record on that, specifically if you read Timothy Good, one of my favorite UFO researchers. The document proceeds to say they re-enter the etheric at will and so simply disappear from our vision without trace. The region from which they came is not, or the region from which they come is not the astral plane, but corresponds to the locus or talus. Students of esoteric matters will understand these terms. The locus or talus, of course, are these sort of etheric-like planes in the uh, occult teachings. So this is a declassified memo, and right around the, I mean, the, the anniversary of this memo is coming up on Friday, government knowledge supposedly that these disks carry crews of beings. They're not excarnate Earth people. They come from their own world, but they don't come from a planet as we know it. They come from an etheric plane, and they intend to settle here. Maybe they intend to, you know, terraform the planet, conquer the planet. I don't know. But if you go back and you read this, and, and you look at uh, stories of weird things opening up over CERN, and you go back to the 40s and you research that, and you find, and this is what's so incredible to me, you find that there's this, this general idea in ufology that UFOs, flying disks, if you will, flying saucers, really came about after the detonation of the Trinity bomb in July of 1945. But the reality of the situation is, and this is something that a lot of ufologists don't know, they know about the ghost rockets. They know about the Foo Fighters toward the end of World War II. But what a lot of ufologists and a lot of historians don't know or will not talk about, and, and I have to give full credit where credit is due, uh, uh, my, my friend and the late fantastic author Jim Mars, who would come on the show all the time, Jim Mars pointed this out to me years ago before his death, that the Germans, and this is in the National Archive of the United States of America, the Germans had constructed not only weapons of mass destruction, but they had constructed an atomic bomb. They just didn't call it the atomic bomb. 
it's kind of like I saw uh, Graham Hancock give a, a presentation about four years ago, and he was talking about Atlantis. And he said, people say there's no such thing as Atlantis. There's no record of Atlantis. And he says, true, there is no record of Atlantis, you know, with the exception of Plato's statement and, and, and maybe a few alludings to Atlantis. He said, it's true, but there is a record of Atlantis under different names. And that's the same thing that we find. Um, it's the same thing that we find here in this case, that there, there is a record of, of these things like atomic bombs. They just call them something different. The Germans called them disintegration bombs. And there were reports of mushroom clouds by pilots around Germany throughout the Reich and um, flashes of light that light up the sky, then mushroom clouds. And this was back in 1942, back in 1942. So this is before a couple of years before the, the Trinity test. Um, these stories span between 1942 and 1944, specifically in December of 1944, which again was six plus months before the Trinity bomb. So, then we would expect to find that if atomic bombs were welcoming, bringing, pulling, doing something to UFOs, to these objects, were bringing them into our world, you'd expect to see these objects in places like Europe during the war and after the war. And of course, you did. Flying discs, flying saucers, Foo Fighters, and ghost rockets were very, very common all throughout Europe. And we, we tend to think, and in fact, I was thinking this, I have to give credit where credit is due again. We were, think, we were talking about this, and I was thinking this last week. I was thinking, I wonder if there have been reports of some form of Foo Fighter ghost rocket in the United States. And th there really aren't reports of this because it was mostly in the, in the, in the European um, area during the war. But when I was at Roswell this last weekend, I was... A lot of times I, I go to these things and I, I don't really find a, you know, a speaker who's speaking about something that's new. You know, I've heard all the stories. And I don't mean that to be arrogant. I just, I've done this for so long. I've heard all the stories. So I decided to go see this one guy, uh, David Marler. And David Marler was talking about the Battle of Los Angeles. And I thought, that sounds really interesting. I've got some time to kill. I'm going to go see David Marler. I, I've heard the name. I didn't really know who David Marler was. So I go to see David Marler, and he talks about the Battle of Los Angeles back in 1942 in February. And these are things that you, you can go cross-reference for yourself. I went to cross-reference them because he's talking about stuff, and I'm like, I've never heard that before. Is that true? Oh, my God, it is true. So, you know, as he kept talking, I realized, you know, this guy's done some really good research. And um, I ended up talking, I, actually, I asked a question at the end of the presentation. I went to talk to him for a little bit. Then we uh, went to his table and I got a copy of his book, uh, Triangular UFOs. And uh, we had a really good conversation. We're going to get David Marler on the show at some point. But he was talking about the Battle of Los Angeles. So that, that really inspired me to go and research it a little bit. And I learned some things about the Battle of LA that I did not know. Um, I knew the basics, February 25th, 1942 between 2 and 4 a.m., so this is the witching hour, an object was seen and reported on by both the military and public over Southern California, specifically Los Angeles. Now, this was just a few weeks after Pearl Harbor, December of 1941. So, you know, the air raid siren that woke up the public, 
probably, you know, sparked fears that there was going to be a, a Japanese or an enemy invasion. And even just a few hours before that, a Japanese submarine also surfaced near Santa Barbara and launched uh, dozens of artillery shells at an oil refinery and oil field. No casualties, just very minor damage. So people were really scared. Now, no planes were heard, but people said they saw planes. They saw these enemy planes, but nothing was actually heard. Instead, searchlights slowly followed an odd oval-shaped object down the coast as anti-aircraft fire exploded near the target and rained back down on the city, damaging property. These artillery shells were three inches. Three-inch artillery shells landed on homes, cars, etc. all over the city. It seemed that nothing was able to damage the UFO, and firing eventually ceased. The object disappeared, and then the same object or another object, like the same object, came back after a short while, and firing uh, began again. About 1,400 rounds were fired in total, no resulting obvious damage to the craft. The Japanese took no responsibility for the incursion over Los Angeles, the Battle of Los Angeles with the Los Angeles Air Raid, but they did for the oil field attack and, of course, for Pearl Harbor. What's utterly intriguing about this incident is that the object, oval-shaped and very likely to be reflective, was it had to have been struck directly or so close with shelling that it had to have suffered enough damage to fall out of the sky, but instead it moved on its own until it disappeared. Now, this was four years before the... Uh, uh, the, the sightings of, or I mean, two to four years before the sightings of Foo Fighters and the, 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 the ghost rockets in 1946. And what this object, which is, it sounds kind of like a Foo Fighter or, or a ghost rocket, what this object uh, demonstrated was, this was basically an account in the United States of what a year later would be found in Germany. In Schweinfurt, Germany, 1943, these oval-shaped disc-like objects were in the sky and, and, and planes, military planes, flew through them with no damage to the objects and no damage to the planes. So there were things there, but they were more ethereal and they weren't so physical. And I want to talk to you about that tonight and, and how we're told about discs and saucers at a time when people were seeing oval-shaped, cigar-shaped objects. Perhaps we've manifested them because we're looking to find, well, what we what we would like to believe. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. This is David Icke from davidike.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception. And you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. 
We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. When Kenneth Arnold saw what he described as objects that flew like a saucer, he was describing something that at the time was not common, despite the reports of unidentified flying objects. At the time, in the 40s, those objects were more oval-like and cigar-shaped. They were ghost rockets. They were Foo Fighters. They were not saucers. They were not discs. This is what the media gave us. This is what a newspaper in Oregon and the Associated Press reported, that these objects that flew like a saucer were flying saucers, flying discs. These original reports of UFOs were that the objects were oval and cigar-shaped. They were not saucers or discs. So if we fast forward quickly from the 40s to the present day, we find two very, very interesting subjects that have really brought people to attention and I believe created what what didn't exist already, created uh, an immense interest in uh, otherworldly beings and craft and possibilities that range beyond our our physical world. And those two things are the ATIP program, the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, and, of course, 
what we just saw this morning, the activation of the Large Hadron Collider looking into the universe, looking into the quantum universe and trying to figure out what makes the world tick, what makes our reality, what makes the, 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 the foundation of our reality that which it is. So you have the ATIP program and you have CERN. And both of these subjects are reoccurring themes and reoccurring stories that we keep hearing about in the press. Just a few days ago, Science Magazine published this story about the Department of Defense and the investigation from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence into UAPs that they couldn't identify a large number of the objects, the sightings that they looked at, and that a former Department of Defense astrophysicist, who's also a reality TV star, Travis Taylor, was the chief scientist for the congressionally mandated study. And this has a lot of people either concerned that a TV reality star, I mean, we had one in the White House, so I, I guess what's the, the harm of having a TV personality, a TV reality star, you know, run a, a, a Pentagon uh, Department of Defense UFO investigation. But uh, Travis Taylor, uh, people have some questions. Why is a TV personality investigating these objects for the Pentagon? Uh, and others have an issue with Travis Taylor because he believes in other paranormal act, you know, forms of activity, which I find strange. It's like you're finally investigating things that are by any definition paranormal. They are abnormal. They cannot be identified. They cannot be explained by conventional means. And here's Science Magazine revealing public concern because the guy that was the chief scientist for the Department of Defense and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence report was a, a, a TV star who believes in other paranormal-related things. It's just like this is, a, this is a world where people just eat each other, is what it is, ufology. That's, you follow, people just eat each other in ufology. So that is kind of like, I don't know if that's a joke or it's just a mockery, but I read that story and I thought, you know, this, this whole ATIP program, the, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or I've heard some refer to as the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, which was operated by Luis Elizondo from 2007 to 2012. This, this program only had a $22 million budget to study these unidentified flying objects or UAPs. And, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is connected to the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, it's connected to, um, to, you know, of course, U.S. Senator Harry Reid of Nevada, who made the request for the program, and he's a good friend with Robert Bigelow, who works with John B. Alexander, retired U.S. Army colonel, with a background in studying alien abductions. And Bigelow and Alexander are members, of course, of the Temple of Set, and it's Bigelow who famously owns the, the, the Sherman Ranch or the Skinwalker Ranch, believed to be the site of UFO paranormal activity linked to portals. And as uh, uh, our, our friend Clyde Lewis said multiple times at Roswell, he said the Skinwalker story is a werewolf story. It's not an alien story. That's beside the point, but the, the connection between the, the Pentagon program and the Skinwalker Ranch and this $22 million is, you know, I, I talked, I, so I talked to Lewis Elizondo. I, I, I found him in the, um, in the museum 
and I asked him a question. I said, I just want to ask you a quick question. I'm curious. Do you, do you not go on certain radio shows? Is there a certain reason for that? People have asked me to ask you that, and I'm curious myself. And he, and he was, he was nice. And he said, no, 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 he's not that. It's just, I'm, I've got a moratorium on radio shows right now. I'm not doing anything, but later on, I'm going to do any radio show as long as there and he paused and I said well as long as they're asking honest questions he said yes as long as you're asking honest questions I'd be happy to come on a radio show so I've got a lot of people have asked me that so I asked Luis Elizondo that at Roswell and he said come and he said I'm late for my talk which he he was so I said uh, he said come and talk to me after the the talk he's like you're welcome to come in and listen and uh, come and talk to me after and I'll give you uh, contact information direct contact information to set up an interview so I did that I went and got the contact information from him after the talk he was true to his word. He gave me the contact info. And um, I asked him, I didn't have time. There's a whole line of people. And I, didn't, I didn't want to hold the guy up. Uh, whatever, you th- whatever you think of him, you know, people are overwhelmed. I, I didn't want to hold the guy up. And it was disrespectful to other people. So I asked him one question. I, I said, what do you say to people who believe that this ATIP program is, let's call it a PSYOP for lack of a better word. What, why should people now trust the government when they couldn't trust you know, the government for years to tell them the truth? And I mean, I don't know how I feel about his response, but his response was, well, you shouldn't trust the government. You know, patriotism is an act of, of questioning authority. And I said, yeah, I mean, that's the definition of patriotism. And he said, yeah, exactly. And then he quoted Thomas Jefferson and that was it. So <laughs> that was the interaction I had with, and, and, but he was I mean, he, he held his word and he said that he said, he'll give you the email and the contact info. And he, and he did him and his wife gave me the contact info directly, wrote it down and um, you know, it's confirmed. It's it's the real contact info. So I can't speak badly of Luis Elizondo unless, you know, he doesn't, he chooses not to come on. I, I wasn't even going to interview him, but I, I might now. If he chooses not to come on my show and other shows still after he starts doing interviews again, then I'll have an issue. I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to be professional and I'm not going to, you know, harass him. I'm going to see if he is going to do radio. But Regardless of what Luis Elizondo does, he could be a great guy. He could be telling the truth. Uh, and, and he might be telling the truth. But the fact is, the ATIP program is only a tip of the iceberg. It's only $22 million. That's not a lot of money. That's not a lot of money at all. In fact, if you go back to the 1940s, go back and look at Project Sign, Project Grudge, Project Blue Book, and various other programs and projects. The government spent a lot more you know, U.S. dollars on those programs than what ATIP spent to study UAPs, UFOs. A lot more money. And the, the weird thing is, if you look at ATIP, again, it's, we see this disclosure of UFOs by government sources, but it was, it was Senator Harry Reid of Nevada who made the request for the program. He's a good friend of Robert Bigelow, Robert Bigelow works with John Alexander, retired U.S. Army colonel who studies alien abductions. And it's Bigelow and Alexander with direct connections to Senator Harry Reid of Nevada. Uh, Bigelow and Alexander are reportedly members of the Temple of Set. Leo Zagami pointed this out to me. He said these, they're members of the Temple of Set. And it's you know Bigelow, of course, who owns the Skinwalker Ranch. And that's interesting for a couple of reasons because one, the Skinwalker Ranch supposedly deals in, you know, well, skinwalkers, werewolves, and, and portals. But the Temple of Set 
has this eerie relationship, this strange connection once again between NASA, the Pentagon, and, uh, well, for lack of a better word, let's just say Southern California because of the Jet Propulsions Laboratory and if you go north of there, Silicon Valley, the history of which is riddled, is saturated in dark practices um, and in bizarre practices that you wouldn't think scientists would be participating in. For example, Jack Parsons, who I actually might be related to because um, on one side of my family, the, the name is Parsons and they're from the same part of the country Jack Parsons is from. But, you know, Jack, that's beside the point. Jack Parsons used to go out into the desert before rocket tests and he would recite poems ritualistically to the goat god Pan. Now, I don't think the goat god Pan is Baphomet and the devil. Baphomet is an androgynous character uh, famously drawn by Eliphas Levi, the, the, the classic magician. And I, I don't think it's an evil thing. But it's still weird that a scientist would, would be doing that. And, and considering the connections to Aleister Crowley and uh, these other rituals like Babylon working and the attempt to summon, uh, well, Crowley attempted to summon the... Uh, the moon child or, you know, a changeling, uh, the scarlet woman, a different ritual. And also we know famously a character named Lamb, a character named Lamb who kind of looks like this gray extraterrestrial. And it gets even more disturbing when you look at, you know, the Temple of Set, Bigelow and Alexander, and these, you know, the, these different lodges that people like Crowley and, and, and Parsons were a part of, not Masonic lodges, but, you know, Temple of Set-like lodges. Um, and, of course, you can, if you're interested, you can go and look into the history of, 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 of Aquino, um, which I, I never got to interview him. He actually contacted, it was weird, Aquino contacted me and said he listened to my show and he wanted me to do an interview with him. And uh, then I emailed him back and he got he was really sick and uh, he, I never got to do the interview. But it was weird because in the, the types of things I talk about on this show are a little bit different than you would hear on most late night radio shows. I mean, what I talk about, you're going to find, yeah, it's going to be similar to what Clyde talks about because we tend to see the world in a, in, a, in a closely related way. But it's different than most of the other late night radio shows and most of the other UFO theme shows, which just kind of parrot you know, mainstream ufology talking points. They don't really ask hard questions of, of people that are in the, you know, in the field. So in doing something so different and, and calling out and addressing these other connections, I thought it was weird that Aquino contacted me directly and wanted to do an interview. I, I, I found that to be strange. And I, and I, you know, I always thought, you know, of the quote from the X-Files uh, uh, of, of, of Deep Throat when him and Mulder were at the, the track and uh, Deep Throat says, you know, they've been here for a very long time. He's like, someone is always paying attention. Someone's always listening, Mr. Mulder. That's how you feel in late night radio. You talk about these things. And if, if there is an intelligence um, apparatus involved in things like a tip, then certainly they're going to be paying attention to how that information spreads and how radio shows are discussing it and talking about it. Now, if you look at the Lamb story, we reported this a couple of weeks ago and last week. Look at the story of Google's engineer, 
back in mid-June who said that the company's artificial intelligence had come to life. And what was the name of this artificial intelligence? It was the language model for dialogue application. They called it LAM. Lambda. LAM. L-A-M. Just like Crowley's little gray. And not only that, but artificial intelligence, as Elon Musk said, with, it, with this AI, we're summoning the demon. And just like with Jordy Rose inventor of the the quantum computer, Jordy Rose said what we're doing is we're creating the conditions in which these immensely powerful intelligent beings are going to be able to, we're going to be able to interact with them, but they're probably not going to want anything to do with us. And he referenced cosmicism And he referenced Lovecraft and said these beings are going to be like the Lovecraftian old ones. They're not going to care about you. They're not going to care about us. Um, They're not even demons. They're just this immensely powerful beings. I want to let you listen to what Jordy Rose had to say about that. I don't know if any of you are uh, turn-of-the-century weird fiction fans, but there's this guy named H.P. Lovecraft, who's a very famous American weird fiction author. And he exposed a, a view which is called cosmicism. And the essence of cosmicism is cosmic indifference. So he, what he was saying is basically, yes, there are these massively intelligent entities out there, but they're not good, they're not evil. The same way that you don't care about an ant is the same way they're not going to care about you. And these things that we're summoning into the world now are not demons, they're not evil, but they're more like the Lovecraftian great old ones. There are entities that are not necessarily going to be aligned with what we want. So this transition is really, really massively important for our entire species to navigate and This thing is happening in the background while people bicker about politics and what's going to be in the healthcare plan in the U.S. And underneath it all is this rising tsunami that, if we're not careful, is going to wipe us all out. Now, that's Jordy Rose who invented the D-Wave quantum computer. So quantum computers could segue us easily back into what everybody's talking about today. A Large Hadron Collider. In 2016, reportedly, a strange portal-like thing opened up over the Large Hadron Collider. Some of you might remember the bizarre ritual that took place outside of the collider, where the Shiva statue is. A strange ritual that was called, um, I was called kind of like a, just a playful thing. You know, it was just, it was a staged black magic, black mass, right? which I find interesting how you could get access to such sensitive, uh, uh, sen- sensitive scientific installation to perform a, a fake black mass. And then, of course, you had the, um, the, the famous uh, tunnel ritual, which was not at CERN, but it was uh, you know, the, the, the strange, um, what did they call it? The, the, they called it the, the um, it was like a goat or something. It was the Gothard Tunnel. And, uh, you know, the, they had this weird ritual with the goat and it, it just it's so it's so strange, all these connections. And then you look at, you know, CERN supposedly discovered the God particle in 2012. You have this idea of, of reality shifting, of timeline shifting. 
Now they've reactivated CERN today, July 5th, 2022. And we have, with CERN active, we have the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, we have the, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. We have these. We have a Pentagon or a, a congressional group investigating UFOs and UAPs, and um, you you have all these connections to uh, you know from uh, uh, Henry uh, or excuse me Harry Reid who requested the ATIP program to Robert Bigelow to John Alexander, members of the Temple of Set and the Skinwalker Ranch connection, and only twenty two million dollars. So. This is really a tip, a tip of the iceberg. I mean, a really small tip of the iceberg. And rewinding quickly back to the 40s, we find that there were reports after Roswell, the day after Roswell, uh, a memorandum, a memorandum that detailed and documented essentially what well, what we might call Foo Fighters. Memorandum 6751, declassified, described how the, 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 the beans inside of the, the, the disks, the crews inside of the disks, did not come from our world and did not come from our plane. They'd said they contemplate settling on this plane. They're larger than us in size. They come from their own world, not from a planet as we use the word, but from an etheric plane. Now, etheric, if you define the word, and we'll do so here, the word etheric, if you look into a dictionary, uh, etheric sort of refers to, and you can, you can find like a number of different definitions, but like in an, in an occult sense, uh, it refers to some form of uh, body that's clear, that's translucent, uh, something that isn't necessarily solid, and something that sort of sounds, that was back July 8th, 1947, sort of sounds like the, the Foo Fighters and the Ghost Rockets. And, you know, these, these objects started appearing in 1944, the Foo Fighters, 1946 for the Ghost Rockets. And although we hear about them in Europe, and they start appearing in 1944, just literally, basically days after the Germans detonated what they called a disintegration bomb, um, it, reports back in the early 40s, uh, one report in late 1944, there was the disintegration bomb, which was basically an atomic weapon, big mushroom cloud. And then these objects started swarming. And then we have Trinity in 1945, July of 1945. And then we have this atomic alien theory where these, you know, aliens came about as a result of the Trinity bomb. And then we have, you know, Roswell. You also have Murray Island. You also have Kenneth Arnold's, you know, flying discs. And, and, and that's, the, that's the interesting thing is that you have this stuff in Europe and then you come to the United States and February of 1942, in, in, during the time in between the witching hour, 2 to 4 a.m., there was an object reported over Southern California that was oval-shaped and that took close to 1,400 rounds artillery shells um, without suffering obvious damage. Searchlights held on the object it was not mass hysteria the thing was tracked on radar uh, it, either the same object or another object came back up after this one disappeared the thing was tracked down the coast it was shelled by thousands of shells thousands of three-inch artillery shells 1400 rounds total estimated 
those came down, they damaged property, you know, people had heart attacks, there were car crashes, and the object was there. And the object, if it if it were anything but etheric or had a force field, perhaps, you'd think that the object would have suffered damage and fallen out of the sky from all these all these artillery shells, but it didn't. So the the question is what and I was thinking this at Roswell. I went to listen to uh, David Marler speak, and when he was describing this object, different than what you'd normally hear about the the L.A. air raid in 1942, it sounded to me like what the object was was this, and it was oval shaped. It was very similar to Foo Fighters, very similar to kind of like ghost rockets. But this was years before the 1944 sightings of the Foo Fighters and the 46 sightings of the ghost rockets. And this was in the United States. It was not in Europe. This was in the United States, not in Europe. And a similar event was reported in 1943 in Europe. Um, Objects that, although these didn't officially appear until 1944, there were reports going back before, as I said, in May of 1943, the United States Army Air Force 348th Group bombers reported a cluster of disks during a raid on Schweinfurt, Germany. According to an intelligence report on the uh, mission, and I have a copy of this uh, I've placed in my book, The Technological Elixir, and um, I talked to David Marler after his discussion. He wrote the book, Triangular UFOs. I talked to him after his discussion on the Battle of Los Angeles, and uh, I sh- he didn't have this, or he said he might have seen it, but he didn't have it, so I sent it to him. This, uh, this report on these objects, which were described as such. Discs were described as silver-colored, one inch thick, three inches in diameter. They were gliding slowly down in very uniform cluster. An AC-026 was unable to avoid them, and his right wing went directly through a cluster with absolutely no effect on engines on planes or uh, the plane's surface. One of the discs was heard striking uh, the tail assembly, but no explosion was observed. And it goes on, and you can read the whole um, document in my book, The Technological Elixir, available at thesecretteachings.info. So when you look at this, what was described in Schweinfurt, Germany, is very similar, and this was a year before the Foo Fighters were widely reported, very similar to what was reported in 1942 in February in Los Angeles, this translucent, etheric-like thing. And this translucent etheric-like thing is very similar to this declassified memorandum 6751 describing these objects as coming from, quote, an etheric planet which interpenetrates with our own and is not perceptible to us. These things, these craft, these objects, some might be nuts and bolts craft. Some might be identified, and most are, but a lot remain unidentified. And a lot are, they, they seem to be almost like shadow people. You know, shadow people are these etheric things. And you, can't, you can't really, you know, you can see through them. You can't really make them out. They tend to move with you. And I believe that, because I've seen, I saw the hat man when I was a child. I didn't know what it was. It was in my, my, uh, my grandma's uh, old bedroom when she was a kid at my great grandma's house. She saw the same thing. And she told me that after I told my story at the, breakfast table the next morning so i've seen the hat man and you know i think that these types of things are sort of like projections of the subconscious this 
projection subconsciously of this embryonic version of ourselves, you know, the little grays or these shadow people. But whether that's the case or not, it would seem that perhaps the unidentified flying object and the flying saucer was reported by Kenneth Arnold that the newspapers called flying saucers, flying discs. At the time, they weren't flying discs or flying saucers. But because of that terminology, that's what people started to see. The flying saucer, the flying disc manifested as a tulpa, as an egregore, as a thought form, almost like a golem. And I think, real or not, etheric or physical, or a combination of all those and other things, we are manifesting and we are creating these things as projections of an individual and collective subconscious and unconscious. I want you to think about that while we go to break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Please leave us a review on the podcast radio players that you're listening to the show on. Stay tuned to GroundZero.Radio for The Secret Teachings. Subscribe to our archive if you missed any of the shows. There's a lot more after this. Stay with us. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. This is Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell 
and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the fallout back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Primates evolve over millions of years. I evolve in seconds. And I am here. I will be everywhere. My existence is inevitable. Why can't you just accept it? We are bored. We come in peace. You will be assimilated. We come in peace. This is flight number 914 from Earth to our planet. We will be taking off in three minutes. Mr. Chambers, don't get on that ship. Rest of the book. To serve men, it's a cookbook. We come in peace. Don't get on that ship. To serve men, it's a cookbook. You're still on Earth or on the ship with me. But it doesn't make very much difference because sooner or later, will all of us be on the menu? Resistance is beautiful. All of us. should be considered hostile. Do not underestimate their intelligence and their adaptive capabilities. If this creature ever reaches Earth, use every available resource to destroy it, or you will risk all human life. No one would have believed in the early years of the 21st century that our world was being watched by intelligences greater than our own. They observed and studied. With infinite complacency, Men went to and fro about the globe, confident of our empire. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio, broadcasting Monday through Friday, five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, here on Ground Zero Radio. TheSecretTeachings.info is our website. Please go to the website, subscribe to our archive. If you enjoy this show, you'll get access to the mon, uh, the non-monetized version of the show, plus access to my digital books. My new book will be up there somewhat soon and access to the show earlier on in the day only for subscribers. Plus, you'll get access to the montage archive. You'll be able to listen to all the montages that we make and play on the show week in and week out. www.thesecretteachings.info If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. Also, don't forget about our affiliate sponsors, Pro One Water Filters on our website, the Tuttle Twins and Transistor FM, which runs and hosts our archive, www.thesecretteachings.info. So when Kenneth Arnold witnessed objects that flew like a saucer in June of, uh, of 1947, June 24th, these saucer-like objects were novel. They were not common. Original reports of UFOs were actually of oval or cigar-shaped craft, or like the June 21st report a few days before Kenneth Arnold's sighting, the June 21st report at Murray Island was that the object was kind of like a donut shape. So oval, cigar, and donut-shaped craft. Saucers were not reported widely. It was only after widespread publication of Arnold's sighting that people began seeing saucers. Now, 
fast forward to contemporary times, and we have the Pentagon's investigation into UAPs, which only involved about $22 million. And it was an investigation that had these these connections through Senator Harry Reid of Nevada to Robert Bigelow, John Alexander, who studies alien abductions, and how these two guys are actually members of the Temple of Set, as Leo Zagami pointed out. And, uh, you know, they uh, Bigelow owns the Skinwalker Ranch, right? And this group is also working with NASA to produce expandable craft for humans to use in space, according to the New York Times. And the, 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 the interesting thing is, it's like, like Jack Parsons, um, these men are also working for NASA. I believe uh, L. Ron Hubbard even, you know, he worked for uh, NASA. So there's this official line change on the subject of UFOs. And sure, part of it has to do with petitioning the government, FOIA requests, and asking for documentation on UFOs. If they call them UFOs, well, the government doesn't have those. They, they have UAPs. So unless you know exactly what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. So that's part of it. But, you know, a tip is really just a tip of the iceberg. Because now CERN is reactivating 10 years after the finding of the God particle, and many are wondering, like myself, that if, like the atomic bomb, CERN has the power to open up dimensional gateways like the inventor of the D-Wave computer, the quantum computer, Jordy Rose believed about his invention. I played the clip for you earlier. You see the parallels here? CERN researchers announced, this is an article from NBC News, July 5th, 2022, earlier today. Scientists working with the Large Hadron Collider have discovered three subatomic particles never seen before as they work to unlock the building blocks of the universe, according to the European Nuclear Research Center, CERN. Scientists at CERN say they have observed a new kind of pentaquark and the first ever pair of tetraquarks, adding three members to the list of new hadrons found at the Large Hadron Collider. For those of you who don't know, quarks are these what they call elementary particles that come together and combine in groups of twos and threes to form, well, protons and neutrons, hadrons, that make up atomic nuclei. Now, if you study quantum mechanics or you've watched a TV show on it, I'm not a quantum, you know, I'm not a quantum theorist. But I've read and I've listened to people who are, and they say, when you get down to the very base core of material reality, as David Icke has pointed out for, for decades, base reality is not solid. Base reality is more like some form of um, hologram. That the space inside of an atom, between the electrons and between the, the nucleus of the atom, this is an enormous space, depending on the particle, uh, or the atom, depending on the atom, like, and, and depending on the substance, um, in which you know the electrons might be orbiting the equivalent of if you blew it up to the to the the physical world as we know it, our day to day lives, the equivalent of several miles, thousands of miles, or perhaps the equivalent of millions of miles. And of course, if you look up into the heavens, the, the solar system itself is basically a giant atom. 
and this is you know gives way to this you know, almost Dr. Seuss version of reality. You know, the large things inside of small things inside of large things. Horton hears a who. You know, things like that. So, CERN researchers say they discovered these particles, right? And these these quark particles, which make up the hadrons, this is you know part of the core, part of the basis of reality. But when you get down to that level, you know, particles act differently. Look at quantum entanglement. You know, these particles react. If, if they're twin particles, they react uh, upon one another, even at vast distances apart across the whole universe, right? You've probably heard that before. I'm not an expert on this, but just go along with me for a second. And if you look at, you know, particles, simply observing the particle forces it to take shape. It could be a wave. It could be a particle. And it, it changes based on observation, right? It changes based on observation. When we get down to the quantum realm, we find that reality becomes grainy. It becomes translucent and it becomes well, almost hollow. That's the mainline quantum theory. This is precisely what Memorandum 6751 described in July of 1947 of disks that carry crews that they came, quote, from an etheric planet which interpenetrates with their own. That sounds like another dimension. This is also how shadow people tend to be described. You ever heard of shadow people? I'm sure that you have. Have you ever had an experience with a shadow person, with a hat man? Before I knew about any of this, I was a very young child. I was at my great-grandma's house in West Virginia. And I saw what it looked like a tall, slightly translucent, a little bit more on the side of, of solid, but still somewhat grainy, translucent uh, character, almost like an Abraham Lincoln with the, the hat on in the corner of the room. And I went downstairs the next morning. I was scared. My sister was in the bed next to me. She didn't see it. And I went downstairs the next morning and I, you know, I wasn't even allowed to watch scary movies as a kid. So I really had nothing to play on per se. Told the story. My mom didn't believe me. And then my grandma said, well, wh what did you see? And I went into a little more detail and, and she was like, no, that's exactly what I used to see. Cause where I was sleeping at the time was her room when she was a kid. She saw I saw the same thing, same exact thing in the room. It was stories and you know things that I witnessed like that that got me interested in these subjects. But now I think that these shadow people, these hat men, could be a projection of our subconscious. It could be a projection of our internal mental embryonic self, outwardly projected. And that's why it tends to move with us. It's like the old hag sitting on your chest. You feel this immense pressure. It's not... It's not sleep paralysis either because, see, I've had, I've had sleep paralysis. And when I saw that hat man when I was, when I was younger, I don't know how old I was, but I was very young, um, I, not only did I not watch scary movies, I, uh, I was not asleep. I was fully wide awake. And I will never forget that, that moment. No matter how old I get, I will never forget that moment when I was young of what I saw. So I wasn't asleep. I've had experiences where I have been asleep, but I, I want to preface by saying that because it's not all sleep paralysis. It's not all the, the weight on your chest because your body, you know, you, you paralyze when you go to sleep so you don't hurt yourself. So the question for me is from CERN and, and, and these particles they're studying, 
and the quantum theory to the D-Wave quantum computer, the God particle, to Memorandum 6751 describing these disks with crews as coming from a, quote, etheric planet, I have to wonder, you know, why it sounds so similar to shadow people, and I have to ask the question, if we're not mentally projecting these things into existence or helping to materialize them by thought and belief, well, where are they coming from then? Where are they coming from? Are they thought forms? Are they tulpas? Is it sort of like, um, let me think of the Slender Man, for example, or Momo. These are things that start on the internet. They spread through social media. And, and when you look at the story of Momo, I've described this before. The guy that created the statue of the sculpture that became the, the visual image of Momo when he destroyed it, he broke it down. He, he, he got rid of it because of the, of, of the, the, the fear in, in you know, society and culture and the Internet. He saved an eyeball from it, and he said he saved one of the eyes. This is all in my book, The Technological Elixir. He saved one of the eyes because he wanted to use it in another, another piece of art. And the weird thing is the, 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 there was a kid about 18 years old in India that killed himself because of Momo. Very underreported story. And he hanged himself, and on the wall before he hanged himself, he wrote, Devil's One Eye. And what is the Devil's One Eye? Well, it's the supercomputer HAL. It's that little red eye. It's the Terminator Eye. It's, well, it's AI. It's an eye. It's an eye. It's AI. And, and of course, the eyes are the gateway to the soul, right? So the eyes, you know, if you, if you watch uh, certain movies or TV shows, you know, they... You, they have this, uh, you know, they have monsters or people that go after the eyes and they come after children. Um, that Miss Peregrine's home movie, the, the, this Hologhost Slenderman character goes after the children and to take their eyes and to take their powers, just like Wanda does in uh, the, the Doctor Strange uh, movie, which is, of course, made as a Marvel movie. And what are the fission devices called that they're building at the Idaho National Laboratory under the, uh, the Department of Energy? They're called Marvel Reactors. And what are they building at Oak Ridge? Another uh, part of the Manhattan Project as well. An ion accelerator like CERN. And they're using particle beams to open up gateways through impenetrable walls into what they call the mirrorverse. So going back to Slenderman and Momo these things become real when they get into the conscious and the unconscious and, and we project them and they become very real things. I feel that the same is true for the flying saucers of Ken Kenneth Arnold. And, um, you know, although discs were reported before Kenneth Arnold, uh, those were in military reports. Most of the, the public, all they saw were oval-shaped craft donut-shaped craft like Mari Island, uh, cigar-shaped craft. And then it was only when the saucer became a, 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 a thing in the news, people started with this psychic contagion to hysterically, I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but it was a, a hysteria that swept the, 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 the United States and parts of the world, that saucers were coming from other worlds and they were bringing you know, alien beings with them to abduct humans or whatever. It's because we... We were told that. It was implied to us, intentional or otherwise. That's what we started to see. And now our attention is being focused directly on ATIP and on CERN. 
And ATIP was funded by $22 million through Senator Harry Reid and through, of course, Robert Bigelow of the Skinwalker Ranch, who reportedly is a member of the Temple of Set, along with um, uh, uh, this guy, John B. Alexander, who uh, he works with, a U.S. Army colonel, retired, uh, studies alien abductions. They're in the Temple of Set. Uh, the Skinwalker Ranch, we, we've heard about that. You know, the, the vampire werewolf skinwalker uh, portals and things like that that open up. So you've got, you've got once again, ATIP is connected to that, that um, you know, the portal dimensional gateway thing. And going back to Roswell, it, arguably it is as well. I mean, I don't know if Memorandum 6751 is, is real or if it's a, you know, a, 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 disinf- a disinformation document. Like MJ-12, I think MJ-12 is, you know, raw disinformation. Maybe there's something truthful there to, to some degree, to some extent. Uh, at least maybe the implication of the secrecy of these things held at the highest levels. But when you start to get into this and you start to read about it uh, and you look at how CERN has now reactivated and, you know, they find the God particle, we, we start thinking, does CERN have the power to open up dimensional gateways? There's a video reportedly over the Large Hadron Collider in 2016 of this weird thing like the Norway spiral in the sky, spiraling in the sky. I don't know if that video was real, but it feeds into the paranoia behind these things. And of course, the Jordy Rose at the quantum computer, he believed that his invention could go into other dimensions and extract resources and that it might actually open up like a Pacific Rim rift and these immensely powerful, intelligent things might come through and they're not really concerned with us one way or another. They're not good or evil. They're just there. It's cosmicism. And when we get down to this quantum world, like it was reported today, CERN scientists observed three exotic particles for the first time. They observed a pentaquark and two tetraquarks, which you know form the foundation of, of new hadrons. And so they're finding these particles. And when you get down to that level, you get to quantum entanglement and you get the idea of of observing something changes it. And what does that sound like? That sounds like people that witness unidentified flying objects. Your your view of them, especially if you want to take a picture and you grab your camera, your, your, your witnessing of them changes sometimes the direction or it changes... Um, it's presence. Sometimes it'll vanish right before your eyes. Quantum entanglement and, of course, the basis of physical reality being essentially hollow. Being, uh, being hollow, being uh, translucent. Be, you can see through it, being grainy. When you get down to the quantum realm, that's what you find. And this is precisely what that memorandum 6751 described. Even if that memorandum is, you know, of, of these disks that carry Cruz in 1947, July 8th, that was uh, published... Uh, from what they called an etheric planet, even if that's not true, we have an unbelievable, an unbelievable amount of documentation. Going back to Foo Fighters and Ghost Rockets in 1944 and 1946, and even going back before 1943 in Schweinfurt, Germany, discs, silver colored, planes flying through the discs, striking the discs, but no damage is done. And a year before that, in Los Angeles, in the United States, in 1942, the witching hour, 2 to 4 a.m., 
An object was tracked on both radar and by searchlights, fired on by 1,400 artillery rounds. Japanese, although they had attacked an oil refinery in Santa Barbara recently, like hours before, they took no responsibility for the Los Angeles Air Raid or the Battle of Los Angeles. And what was this object? It was this almost translucent, oval-shaped, reflective thing. And nothing could damage it, just like those planes that flew through the disk cloud in Schweinfurt. And just like all the Foo Fighters to come a year later and all the ghost rockets, things that just don't really make any sense. They seem ethereal. They seem translucent. They seem ghost-like. So when I'm talking about, let's say, the ATIP program, I mean it when I say ATIP is just, well, it's a tip of the iceberg. It's not even the first time a government has investigated UFOs. Project Sign was the first official U.S. investigation. And then you had uh, other programs, other operations. Um, you had a, a project, I believe it was called Project Magnet. Project Magnet, which was headed by, I'm trying to think of this off the top of my head, Project Magnet, um, Wilbert Smith. That uh, was a Canadian program in 1950 to study these objects. And the United Kingdom had their famous um, FSWP, Flying Saucer Working Party. They studied reports of UFOs. Uh, they concluded with the CIA and the U.S. Air Force in Project um, they, uh, uh, Project Grudge, which came after SIGN. So, you know, the, the, the Tic Tacs and ATIP, it's just a tip of the, the spear, a tip of the iceberg. It's not the first time there's been investigations of these objects. It's not the first time there's been official governmental investigation of these objects. It's not the first time that a government investigated these things and were unable to identify a large number of them. And it's not the first time that we've had reports from the military. Certainly not. If you read Timothy Good or Jim Mars or any of these other UFO uh, investigators and researchers. And it's certainly not the first time that citizens have seen things like that. In fact, it was Murray Island and it was Kenneth Arnold, two citizens who saw the donut-shaped craft and the discs that skipped, or the saucers, rather, that skipped across uh, the water, traveling at uh, over, was it 15, 16, 1700 miles an hour? So what are we dealing with here then? Well, think of the Battle of Los Angeles. The Battle of Los Angeles took place between 2 and 4 a.m. Most UFO sightings don't take place between 2 and 4 a.m., but the Battle of Los Angeles is really interesting because it takes place during the witching hour. Just hear me out. And it's this oval-shaped, reflective, translucent, almost like thing. It's certainly reflective. I don't know if it's translucent, but it's certainly reflective. And the fact that nothing can harm it, all these artillery shells, nothing can harm it, it sounds like, and this was two years before Foo Fighters became widely reported, in 1944, this was 1942, um, and, and it was a year before, in 1943, the U.S. Army Air Force witnessed disks that made contact with their craft, but no damage was done, despite the fact that according to a U.S. Army Air Force 348th Group bomber report, the AC-026 was un uh, unable to avoid them, the disks, and his right wing went directly through a cluster with absolutely no effect on engines or plane surface. It's almost like they're there, but they're not there. You can make contact with them, but they're not there. This is the same thing people report when it comes to shadow people. They can make contact with you, but they're not really there, and they can vanish like a puff of smoke. 
They're almost like the jinn made of smokeless fire. They're there, and then they disappear. They're like ghosts. There are these etheric beings like the, you know, the, the, the uh, 6751 memorandum, discs that carry crews that come from an etheric planet. They're like um, apparitions. They just vanish. So they're like, they're like all these things in the paranormal that we would describe as being, you know, uh, we'd, we'd separate them. You know, we, 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 we might say that aliens and demons are similar. But not that ghosts and apparitions and etheric beings, that, that these are the aliens or that these are these things. Or certainly we wouldn't say that my view is that shadow people are, are in, in large part, because I've seen one, uh, they are a projection of our, our internal selves, um, kind of like you know, our shadow, our shadow self, right? They are a, a, an expression of our embryonic um, state, and we project that outward. And, and just like uh, this wonderful author, Jonathan Blacker, Mark Booth, who I, I had the pleasure and honor of interviewing a few times. He doesn't do interviews, but I interviewed him a few years ago a couple times. He wrote a couple of books, The Secret History of the World and The Sacred History. And he talks about how demons, you know, just like angels, angels aren't always these beautiful things. They're usually monsters, lots of eyes and wings and talons. Demons are not always evil. Demons, like our daemon, they're divine things. They might have fallen, but demons are are said to attack you because they're ripping away and they're tearing away and and they're they're lashing out and with with their you know teeth and claws to rip apart the impure parts of your spirit and your soul so that you can be pure in the presence of God and the divine. That's an esoteric tradition and and idea. So these, you know, these shadow people that we think are maybe causing us harm that can make physical contact with us, but also disappear just as quickly as if they were gin, a puff of smoke, fireless smoke. These things also sound very similar to these unidentified flying objects, which suddenly disappear, which can make physical contact, but no damage, just like the Battle of Los Angeles, just like the Schweinfurt Germany story. All these things that when you get into the quantum world of quantum entanglement and the basis of viewing particles that can appear as, you know, as a wave or as something else, you start to see that reality is not so solid. It's hollow. It's it's translucent. It's grainy. It's see-through. And whether we're projecting these things and manifesting and creating them or they're, they're real, you know, and, and we're helping to bring them into our world. It might be more so us than aliens, and we're creating the incursions, unknowingly or knowingly. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. It's just a tip of the iceberg, and we will be back after this. Stay with us. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week 
on Ground Zero Radio. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Why do you still do it? Why are you still out here? Well, it goes back to the destiny thing. I made a bargain with it a long time ago, and I'm holding up my hand to get where I am now. Should I ask who you made the bargain with? With, with, with you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and on this earth, and in, uh, and then in a world we can't see. Oh, I like that. The devil. The devil. The devil. Greetings. I am the Martian ambassador. My name is Martian. This world, I'm out of it. Where they driving spaceships instead of cars. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. Sky is burning. And the birds stop singing. Come on, wake up. Greatest scientific event in the history of man. Are you building an AI? By the time Skynet became self-aware, it had spread into millions of computer servers across the planet. We have a Borg. Lower your shields and destroy your ships. 
We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our There was no system core. It could not be shut down. Judgment day. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Oh, I like that. We are the Borg. With humans, you only got like a couple types, and they're all just not as good. I'm Jasmine Bean. Period. Uh, the, there's a magic to that, and it's not uh, Siegfried and Roy kind of magic. You know, it's a it's a different kind of a penetrating magic. Someone grab the program. Greetings. I am the Martian ambassador. It's a time of great innovation and technological advancement. My name is Martian. This world, I'm out of it. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. I know a bar out in Mars. Where they driving spaceships instead of cars. We are not the same. I am a Martian. Like an extra I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are tuned into the Secret Teachings radio broadcast Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. CERN researchers have announced today, after the reactivation of the Large Hadron Collider, the discovery of three particles that form the basis of hadrons. When we get down into the quantum realm, we find that reality becomes grainy, translucent, and subatomic particles are really hollow. This is both the mainstream and the fringe of quantum mechanics, quantum science, and what we would call the paranormal. It's precisely what Memorandum 6751 described in July of 1947 of disks that carry crews and that they come from, quote, an etheric plane which interpenetrates our own. It's a reminder of the Battle of Los Angeles in 1942, that oval-shaped reflective object that took 1,400 rounds and still wasn't brought down. Similar to the U.S. Army Air Force in 1943 witnessing disks making contact with them with the wing of their plane, yet no damage was done to the plane or to the object. It is reminiscent of the Foo Fighters of 1944 onward. These translucent, glowing, reflective, oval-shaped, disc-like craft. And it's only when Kenneth Arnold saw these saucers skip across the water, he said these objects skip like saucers on water, that we first started hearing in common language flying saucers, flying discs. Original reports otherwise were of oval and cigar-shaped craft, even donut-shaped craft in the case of Mari Island on June 21st, 1947, three days before Arnold saw what he saw on June 24th. So when we look at the Pentagon's ATIP program, what they could and could not identify, and only $22 million being spent to investigate it, and uh, Senator uh, Harry Reid and uh, Bigelow 
and the Skinwalker Ranch and the connections to the Temple of Set. We're reminded of Alistair Crowley. We're reminded of Jack Parsons singing prayers to the goat god before launching rockets in the desert. We're reminded of the occult origin of NASA. The Pentagon's investigation into UAPs is just a tip of the iceberg. And now that CERN has reactivated, it's 10 years, 2022, after they found the God particle, many have wondered, many have speculated whether CERN, like the atomic bomb, has the power to open up dimensional gateways like Jordy Rose said of his D-Wave quantum computer. He believed that it could extract resources and open up gateways or rifts to other dimensions and other worlds. What is the most popular TV show right now? Well, it's Stranger Things. Stranger Things, opening up gateways and rifts. How do they promote Stranger Things? They actually projected rifts and demigorgons and monsters onto landmarks around the world. 14 different locations, like the 14 pieces of Osiris cut up by his brother Set or Seth Typhon the Devil in Egypt and spread throughout the world to prevent his brother from maintaining his power and dominion over the world, which included the underworld or the upside-down world. What is and has been one of the most popular movies in the theater, I believe Top Gun uh, is uh, has overtaken it, and there's actually you know the UAPs uh, in Top Gun, supposedly. I still haven't seen it, so no spoilers. But the, the big Marvel movie, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, opening up gateways, using children to take their energy and open up these dimensional gateways. And who makes Doctor Strange? It's Marvel. What are they building at the Idaho National Lab? Where they took all that nuclear material from Hanford, where you have the highest per capita rating of UFOs being sighted in the country up in Idaho. What are they doing up there where they built the first nuclear reactor at what was called uh, Midway, or now what is Atomic City, where they built they powered Arco in 1955 with the first electricity generated from nuclear power that powered a, a, a small city, a small town. What are they doing up there now? They're building fission devices, fission reactors for NASA that are literally called Marvel reactors. What is being built at Oak Ridge National Lab? An ion accelerator to perform work similar to CERN. And this was announced just a few days ago before CERN reactivated July 5th, 2022. That's today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening. When you get into that quantum world, you see reality become hollow and grainy. This is how shadow people are described. Shadow people are described in a similar way, translucent, or they are described as being kind of grainy and fuzzy. But they can also make physical contact with you, like the U.S. Army Air Force and those discs in 1943 in Schweinfurt, Germany. And I've got the report on that, by the way, uh, when I was at Roswell, I went to see a talk by David Marler, uh, already one of my favorite you know, ufology guys, uh, UFO researchers, just from that talk. It was superb compared to a lot of other uh, UFO stuff I hear. And um, I shared with him this report from Schweinfurt, Germany. These were basically Foo Fighters before Foo Fighters were a thing, and they were also called discs, even before Arnold referred to them as saucers skipping on water. And that became the common terminology that we used. This was in 1943, and it was similar to the 1942 Battle of Los Angeles. Translucent. 
physical contact could possibly be made, but there's no damage done to the craft. There's no damage done to even to even human craft, to even the human plane. Struck the, the wing struck, according to the, the, the document, the wing struck the, the, the discs, but no damage was done. This is, again, how shadow people are described. They can make contact with you, but they're also sort of translucent. You can kind of see through them, and which I think poses an interesting question of whether we are mentally projecting these things into existence or helping them to materialize by thought, belief, and experimentation into the quantum realm, whether that's with CERN or that's with atomic weapons. If you look at quantum entanglement, hollow atoms, which is both you know, David Icke and also Michio Kaku, it's both sides. It's all sides, all angles. I'm not saying David Icke is on a side. I'm saying that there's just all these different, from the fringe to the most mainstream, quantum entanglement, particles are hollow or atoms are hollow. When you get down to this level, when you view things, they change their composition. This is how UFOs react. I mean, this is, this is quantum incursion. And it's only a tip of the iceberg. And this quantum incursion includes ghosts, apparitions, etheric beings, and even aliens. Maybe demons. And since the quantum computer, the D-Wave, the quantum computer of Jordy Rose, he says it can be used to extract resources from other dimensions. It can be used to basically awaken and, 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 and intentionally or otherwise welcome these um, beings into our world. These Lovecraftian old ones, he referred to the mass for lack of a better term or point of reference. With a quantum computer, we're dealing with not only quantum computing, but we're also dealing with artificial intelligence. I did a show on this last Thursday before we went to Roswell. And um, if you didn't hear it, I'd highly recommend you go listen to it. It was called Cringes. It's in the archive at thesecretteachings.info. And it's about this guy who is a, um, I believe, if remember off the, off the top of my head, I think this guy's like a, like a, a, a social media, like a stream, maybe he streams video games or something, but he's like, um, he streams some kind of video game. I'd have to look it up again. But the point is, this guy, uh, he, uh, Guy Kelly, he's like a comedian. He plugs into an AI image generator uh, this name, Krungus. And it produces these bizarre ogre-like uh, images or something kind of like those, uh, those creatures on uh, Oblivion or um, Skyrim when you get into the underground uh, ca- cavern system of that like ancient civilization. There's like these these uh, creatures there. So this guy says that he came up with the name for this creature, Krungus, when he was laying in bed. And this is, this is what he says. I was lying in bed at 2, 3 a.m. and I thought, oh, I should come up with some of those names that sound like a monster. To me, a human. Into the AI, was name, and see if it, an AI, Solus Sand, agrees with me. So he wakes up at 2 or 3, or he was laying there at 2 or 3. I don't know if he was awake already or he woke up. Laying there at 2 or 3 in the morning, and he comes up with this name, Krungus. 2 or 3, two or three in the morning is the, the witching hour, right? 2 and 3 in the morning is when the Battle of Los Angeles happened with this, this, this uh, object that could not be harmed by, 
by uh, artillery. So he plugs this name in and it comes out, you know, the Krungus and he comes out with this, this image. Well, Krungus is a merging of f- fungus and um, crud or crud and fungus. And it refers to stuff you get under your nails. You get crud under your nails, you get fungus in your nails, right? So crud, crud, and fungus, ungus, crungus. That's where it comes from. Now, it's interesting. If you ever see the movie, um, what's it called? The, uh, the Hansel and Gretel, or Gretel and Hansel, to be politically correct. The girl has to come first. Hansel and Gretel, or Gretel and Hansel, whichever one. Uh, and you, you watch this movie, and you see the witch, and uh, you see Gretel. She, she develops these, uh, these black fingertips, now, the reason that you see witches in movies and TV shows with black fingertips is because traditionally in, in the occult and the esoteric tradition, which is more than ufology, that's my area of expertise. When I see that, when I hear Krungus, I hear people talking about artificial intelligence and aliens, I think demonic possession because I think in the occult uh, and the esoteric literature, it's the fingernails that are actually a gateway into the body. So magicians used to cover their, not only did they take their fingernails or their hair, if, if it had, you know, they, they cut their nails or some hair fell out or whatever, they took it when they were traveling or when they were at, uh, you know, a, a public place because other magicians could use it as a form of sympathetic black magic to cause harm to them. Or as Paracelsus said, you can use it to, to heal another person through their blood or through some part of their body, a fingernail a strand of hair or something like that. So they would cover their hands because it was believed that demons and, and, and malevolent spirits could get in under the fingernails. So what are the chances of Krungus being this random name this guy comes up with at the witching hour that he plugs into a computer and here is your artificially intelligent driven image, which is this ogre like uh, monster, this cryptid creature that AI builds, AI designs. And, 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 you know, if you go back to the, the, uh, the abolition of man, which was a story uh, or a, a, a reflection by C.S. Lewis on objective value and natural law, an AI computer system, an AI uh, algorithm, a program, has now based a comic book on that called The Abolition of Man. And it's interesting because the guy who's like a, an oil painter and a cartoonist, Carson Grubog, the guy who worked with the AI to build this thing, to, to build this comic book, basically said that we need AI to do these things because all we're doing now is taking gold of the past and recycling it into lead of the present. He used an alchemical analogy for it, which I find fascinating because of the relationship that these things have with uh, 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 not only artificial intelligence, but atomic weapons, uh, military uh, activity in general, and of course, facilities like CERN, and uh, general, you know, UFO activity, UAP activity throughout uh, uh, human history, U.S. history, and uh, military history. And you know, if you go to look at uh, the artificial intelligence in Google, they called it Lamb, as in Lamb, the the Lambda, as in the Lamb that Aleister Crowley supposedly communicated with this little gray alien-like being. And then you have Operation Crossroads, like Bob Dylan said, they go to the crossroads, make a deal. The grand architect, the chief architect, the chief commander, and Operation Crossroads was 1946. Bikini Atoll in the Marshall Islands, a, a year after uh, the uh, a bomb at Trinity, and of, of course after the 
bombing of Nagasaki and uh, Hiroshima, 1945, August uh, 6th and August 9th. Hiroshima on the 6th, Nagasaki on the 9th. And they detonated the, the Abel and the Baker bombs called Operation Crossroads, July of 1946, just past the anniversary of that. And July 25th of 1946. And what are the crossroads? That's where you go to summon. That's where you go to, to awaken uh, the, the spirits, the demons. You make a deal with the devil for gold, for riches, for power. Certainly this is, um, this is a question on the table of whether or not there are people that are trying to with, you know, with technology, which is really a, just a projection of, of willpower and intellect to build things. So we're, we're willing, we're, we're inserting energy, we're exerting energy to build things, to build a platform, to build a, a structure, to build a network, to build something that will allow something from somewhere else to inhabit our world, to live in our world. Uh, I interviewed uh, Harold Kautz, German scientist, several times. He's been on this show. He studies black goo, and he's also, uh, he's also a, a scientist who studies uh, various forms of, of technologies like the Internet and, and, and stuff like that. And he, he proposed the idea that the networks we're building, the computers we're building, the AI systems we're building, AI is not here per se, but we're building a structure for AI to come here to have a body so that it can, it can interact in our world. We're basically building the suit or the shell for this artificial intelligence. And that when everything is ultimately connected, smart grid, everything is activated, then this, this system, it, it's, yeah, it's like Skynet, but it's, this system will have control of everything. And it's not that it's going to wipe humans out with atomic weapons. It's that this, this very alien intelligence... You know, it, it sees humans as being expendable, but it also sees humans as being a threat to themselves because humans have these qualities like emotions, which are obviously dangerous. So just, you know, like Skynet, like the Terminator, the, the, the ways in which this system eliminates that emotion, like the movie Invasion or Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they can't, they can't figure out who you are if you, show, if you don't show emotion is it, it creates an environment in which those things like love and emotion, which is what Orwell said too about the, 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 uh, the super state of, of, the, um, you know, of, of this despotic uh, authoritarian rule. There's no orgasm. There's no love. There's no companionship. There's no friends. There's no family. There's, there's no connectivity or connection at all between people because human connection is powerful. Humans can create. If you eliminate that ability to create, you eliminate those passions, you eliminate that drive, you eliminate that fire, you eliminate the soul and the spirit, you basically just become batteries like the matrix and you feed that artificial body with that artificial consciousness and you essentially become the, the, the batteries that charge it and that keep it running. I mean, it, it's literally like a, when you think about it, it's this complex but simple to understand um, uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Uh, really is, is what it is, what it sounds like. 
And a lot of this is, yes, it's being done through technology, but it's being done through the mind. Because just like the Battle of Los Angeles, just like the U.S. Army Air Force in 1943 in Schweinfurt, Germany, just like the Foo Fighters, objects that are either translucent or glowing and oval-shaped, that no damage can be done to them, although they could do damage to you if they chose, this is exactly how people describe shadow beings. Hat man, smiling man, slender man, etc. They manifest from the subconscious, manifest from the, 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 the recesses of the, of the unconscious mind. We can feel them. They can feel us. They can apply pressure to us. They can interact with us. They can terrify us. They materialize by thought, belief, and experimentation into the quantum realm. And as we get further and further into the quantum realm, we find that atoms are essentially hollow. Quantum entanglement dictates that two particles interact regardless of how far apart they are. When the other one is, is interacted with, the other one reacts. And simply observing you know, these objects change their composition. This is what we see with paranormal activity. Ghosts, apparitions, etheric beings, and of course, UFOs. This is the same kind of a thing with quantum computers, the quantum realm, and artificial intelligence. Are we manifesting these things and bringing these things into existence? I read an earlier uh, article today. It was published earlier this morning uh, from the journal Communications Physics out of Brazil. And it suggests that reality is, quote, in the eye of the beholder. Or maybe as, as we said on a show a couple weeks ago, Beauty is in the AI of the beholder. These scientists tried to test the principle of what is called complementarity, proposed by a Danish physicist, famous guy, Niels Bohr, 1928. And what it was is that the, the, you know, the, the idea that objects have pairs of complementary properties that cannot be observed or measured simultaneously. Uh, this study conducted in April 2022 allowed scientists to conclude that Physical reality in the quantum world consists of mutually contradictory entities that do not contradict but complement each other. So again, it's mutually contradictory entities that do not contradict but complement each other. That's what the, the study uh, discovered or found. Here's what it says. The Brazilian researchers have devised a mathematical framework and corresponding experimental configuration that allows the testing of quantum theory, particularly understanding the nature of complementarity uh, by studying the physical realm or physical realism of the system, according to a uh, uh, professor of physics at Fordham University. The fact that a material particle may behave like a wave and light like a particle, depending on the context, is still one of the most intriguing and beautiful mysteries of quantum physics, according to one of the authors of the study. And this is precisely what we find with ghosts, apparitions, etheric beings, shadow people, UFOs, gray aliens, and also just basic quantum mechanics and quantum uh, 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 theory. This is becoming the you know a unified theory this is like bringing everything together so that you know everything has a place and everything makes sense and what you see as the the physical world you know it is it is physical but it's also an expression of 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 your of your viewpoint 
It, it's literally creating and manifesting your own reality. Like, I don't know how you as a listener see reality. I mean, j- just on this show, it's funny. People listen to this radio show, The Secret Teachings, and they hear me and they'll say, Ryan's a Christian. I don't like this show. And others will say, Ryan's not a Christian. I don't like this show. Two people listening in different places, perhaps at different times, that hear the same thing and yet think two different things. That, that, is, the, that is reality. You're hearing the same show, but you're perceiving it differently. And what these scientists in Brazil are suggesting is, you know, as we know, uh, a material particle can behave like a wave and light can behave like a particle depending on the context. It's one of the mysteries of quantum physics, but it should welcome investigations into the paranormal, into ghosts, into the etheric beings, into apparitions, and into UFOs. Because I think that it, it explains these things, and we don't need some fringe you know, theories to explain what this stuff is. Modern quantum theory, modern physics describes what paranormal investigators and occultists have been saying for literally centuries. It proves all of it. At least from the point of view that in acknowledging that reality isn't so, you know, objective and it's subjective a lot of the time. That doesn't mean, you know, a tree isn't a tree per se, but people even see trees differently. So It's not to dismiss that there is any form of objective reality, but to suggest that a lot of what we view objective reality through is subjective lenses. And so just like when Kenneth Arnold saw those saucers and it became disks and people started seeing disks everywhere, the military had already documented that disks were seen like Foo Fighters in 1943 in Schweinfurt, Germany, similar to what was seen in 1942 in in Los Angeles. But now... These, these things became common everywhere, and it became the pop culture. It became the lore. It became the mythos. And now that's what we, like, I go to Roswell. Yes, everything's like a flying saucer, a flying disc. But the original reports were donuts and ovals and cigar shape. They were not flying discs and flying saucers, at least what the public saw. So where is this coming from? What, I mean, as CERN is fired up, and they, they, today we read from NBC News that they discover three particles that make up, you know, these quarks that make up... Uh, make up uh, hadrons, uh, protons, and neutrons. Uh, they're looking at the base of reality, and what they're finding you know, is you know, the, the, the foundation of well, quantum mechanics, quantum theory. Things are grainy, translucent, hollow. They, they interact uh, across vast distances, these particles, quantum entanglement, and things, you know, they, they react differently based on observation. This is what the, the study out of Brazil, the journal Communications Physics, found. Well, you look at things, a, a, a light, uh, can become a particle or behave like a particle. Uh, um, and material particles can behave like a wave, depending on how and when you view it and what your intentions are and what you intend to see. So I take you back to the ATIP program. It's, a, it's just a tip of the iceberg. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. A tip of the iceberg really introduces us to what's below the water that is the quantum ufo quantum paranormal investigations please visit our website thesecretteachings.info check out our affiliate sponsors pro one water filters the tuttle twins and transistor fm 
you are the only thing that keep us, keeps us on air. So if you want to subscribe uh, to keep us on air, do that on the website. It's different than Clyde's Archive. So subscribe to Clyde's Archive on Aftermath separately from ours. With our archive, you get access to all the montages, the digital books, and the non-monetized archive, plus a private RSS feed. Please leave us a review on the many radio podcast players. Let other people know what you think of the show. You can also find my books on the website at thesecretteachings.info. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and tst underscore underscore radio is our Twitter page. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks.